Hello, and welcome to episode 8 of the Cabbage Podcast, produced by Church at Bowling Green in Kentucky, USA. I'm Kenan Ballou, a cradle Christian seeking wisdom from the Holy Scriptures. And I'm Lee Folks, um, also a Christian, obviously, and a licensed clinical social worker here in Kentucky. Um, this season of the podcast, if you're just joining us, or uh, if you need a reminder from last week, we're focusing on Psalms, um, doing about one psalm every week so that we can really focus on it, think about it, meditate on it, and um, try to apply it to our lives. Um, Kenan and I are trying to offer our offer our meager uh, take on it, just to, uh, just what we have, have thought about and how we apply it to our lives. But, um, you know, hopefully God's able to use this, and we, we trust that He is um, in some way. So let's, uh, let's start with a prayer, and then we'll start with our... Um, Psalm 142. God, we ask for your blessing on our time together. Um, as Kenan and I discuss this psalm, these words of David, we ask for your blessing. Uh, we ask for greater understanding. We ask for greater wisdom and knowledge. Um, we ask that we can uh, impart some some sort of thoughtfulness into this that will be helpful to the people listening. And um, we continue to ask you to guide us in all that we do to, to serve you and to point ourselves, our families, and others to you. We pray this in Jesus. Amen. So, Kenan, what's going on? Anything new this week? Oh, not really. It was just a week. It was a good week. Yeah. I guess it's probably a little bit better than the previous one, but uh, the weather's been nice and hot, and we've enjoyed being outside. We're uh, some of the rare Americans that try not to turn our AC on very much. In oh. uh, Germany, most of the time, most people don't have ACs because it's only really hot a couple of weeks a year. And so uh, my wife's not used to the freezing cold Arctic AC temperatures here. So we usually keep the AC off. So it was, it was quite warm several nights. I think it got yeah. warm enough that even she uh, she called it in and we turned it on the AC, AC. But it's been nice and warm here. Very good. How about yeah. you? We've uh, It's been good. We um, we got a puppy this weekend. So A puppy? What kind yeah. of puppy? Uh, she is a uh, part Brittany Spaniel, part Poodle. So she is... Um, anyway, she's a lot of fun. Is that a... Brutal, yeah, Brittany Poo. No, yeah, no, <laughs> she is brutal. No, she's a Brittany Poo. So we, we're trying to train her. So that's a lot of fun. We're trying to train the kids to train her. So I don't know what's more complicated, but oh well, we started potty training our two-year-old. So I guess we're kind of in the same. Excellent. Well, we'll but, share yeah. tips later off there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's the kind of podcast people are trying to tune into. <laughs> um, well, so we're doing Psalm one forty-two. And, um, this is just something that, again, I, I, um, you know, I was apprehensive, Kenan, when we got into this, I think I shared this with you and maybe in our first podcast, but I was apprehensive about being able to really focus on, on these Psalms, but I have just really feel, 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 uh, I don't know what the right word is, uh, encouraged, uplifted, challenged by these Psalms. Um, and this one is no different. And I think I, if it's okay, I just want to start out with the context, maybe of this because I thought this was important. Um, I, you know, it's fine. A lot of the Psalms, we don't know the context, but this one, all I saw at the beginning in my Bible, it says it was, he was in the cave and I'd kind of assumed this was in the cave with Saul when he was tempted to, to, um, to kill Saul, but it's not, it's from what we, um, belief being that this was in the cave of a, a Dullam. First Samuel 22 talks about it where David, um, is with his, his best friend, Jonathan and, and Saul, uh, tries to kill David, uh, Jonathan and, and David uh, part, and then David leaves 
he goes um, to the the high priest. He gets some of the bread, which comes back. You know, day, uh, Jesus talks about this later. Uh, he gets Goliath's sword. He goes off to try to join the the Philistines at Gath, which is how desperate he is. Um, they don't have anything to do with him. He pretends to be crazy, so they'll they won't kill him. And, he, and then he runs off and hides in this cave. Um, so to get the feel for where we are, that's kind of what's going on with him. He is he is alone. He is probably scared. He has already been anointed as the king of Israel, and yet you know, here he is hiding in a cave, pretending to be crazy so he won't get killed by the enemy. Um, and so then, you know, of course, he starts out, um, I cry aloud with my voice to the Lord. I make supplication with my voice to the Lord. I pour out my complaint before him. I declare my trouble before him. And, and so I just think this overwhelming, I don't know if it's despair, but you definitely get the feel for where he's coming from at the beginning of the psalm. The part that spoke to me at the beginning, <laughs> spoke, see what I did there, was the emphasis on my voice. With my voice, I cry out to the Lord. Like he, he you know, voice is something, a voice is many things, but it's like a, it's one of the main way that we speak our will and our heart and our mind into reality. I mean, even this world was created by the voice of Jesus. He spoke and the world was created. And speaking is such a fundamental way that our heart and our mind comes into this world. And it seems that David's saying here in verse 1 that I, with my voice, I, I'm not just hurting inside and feeling this, but I say something out loud. It becomes in some way real when you speak it. And I think it's a really important point that we should, you know, it's one thing to pray in your heart, of course, but speaking it is a critical part of prayer too, really out loud. And I mean, obviously I think you can pray in your heart as well, but we need to speak and to cry out and to be vocal. That's like pulling our body with our heart into this reality. Well, and, and I absolutely agree with that. And I would even take it a step further, Kenan, because, um, you know, professionally, I work with people all the time. And one of my big uh, goals is to get people to give voice to whatever they are feeling. Um, they've, they've got thoughts, they've got fears, they've got apprehensions, they've got whatever. And a lot of times just getting people to the point where they feel comfortable voicing that talking about what's happened to them and and um I you know not to give away too many trade secrets here but a lot of the benefit from counseling is really just creating a safe space to talk about what's going on it's not it's not completely re reliant on the the quality of the person you're talking to um well isn't a therapist not isn't their job basically just to listen anyway not to really tell you what to do they just kind of ask questions and sit there and you know, maybe, um, in some ways, in some ways that's definitely appropriate, but I do think having the, creating the right environment, knowing what questions to ask, to probe that a little bit deeper, um, being able to, uh, to guide that conversation in a certain way is really important, but, um, being able to give voice to what is going on is, is really important. Um, I actually did a little, um, official research on this, um, and there are some studies that were done, I don't remember, maybe 2004, I don't know, but um, some studies that were done that found that people who are experiencing strong emotions really benefited from uh, just naming the emotion and just rather than just being angry, saying, I am angry. And they noticed changes in the brain and the uh, part of the prefrontal cortex, that's just a little, I'll throw that out there so I'll sound smart. 
But um, but there's basically here's the deal. You know, a part of your brain, the left side of your brain, does logic and and rational thought. The right side of your brain typically does emotional thought and uh, uh, emotions, feelings, stuff like that. What seems to happen is that by by giving voice to the emotions that you have, it actually crosses the midline of the brain and it actually can activate parts of the brain that were not previously um, active. Whereas if you're feeling angry, it's all in one side of your brain, but by speaking it or talking about it, it actually helps you rationalize what's going on a little bit better and, and categorize it a little bit better. That's a dumbed down version. I could actually be wrong about some of that, but uh, that's the gist of the article. So you apply that to this, and I, I think absolutely we tend to, um, I, excuse me, not we, I will speak for myself. I tend to stuff it all in, deal with it internally. I don't want to talk about it with anybody. I don't want to share my, you know, if I'm upset, I just want to go and deal with being upset until I can get over it. And so I think the same thing with God. I don't, I don't usually like to express, especially verbally, maybe even internally, I don't like to admit that I'm upset with God sometimes. So I definitely don't want to verbalize it. Um, but I think that there's, there's definitely a case to be made and David's making it here that that's, there's actually a benefit to that. And it's not only, is it, is it good, but it's, it's something that we are, are encouraged. And what does David actually do here with his voice? He pleads for mercy and pours out his complaint. I mean, pleading for mercy really should be the cornerstone, in, in my opinion, of our relationship with God. I mean, you look at the, the thief on the cross pleading for mercy. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the beginning of every, every properly formed mass in a musical sense is the Kyrie eleison, which is Lord have mercy. And it's just, it's, that's like the, been part of Christian history, the central, if you had to pick one phrase to say, it's have mercy, because that's really where we're at. We have to just beg for mercy. And this is David with his voice, his whole body, as it were, pleading for mercy. But then he also pours out his complaint. He doesn't just sit there asking for mercy, but he tells God, presumably with his voice, what his problems are. Yeah, and um, the the thing I thought about with this too is that it's that that yes, he was telling God what his problems were, but that he was telling, pouring out those complaints to God. Um, you know, I. I don't necessarily like to complain to God about stuff, but I don't really mind going to my wife and complaining about stuff that's going on, um, you know, at, at work or, you know, somewhere else. I don't, um, I don't mind going to my friend and complaining about something that's going on elsewhere. You know, we can complain to other people, but they can't do anything about it. That's just venting. And there, there's a place for venting, but he's pouring out his complaint to God who can actually do something about it. And I think that was a piece for that for me as well. Where do you think David was? I mean, you kind of touched on this at the beginning, but how, what are some other things you think about how David was emotionally at this point? Like where was he, so to say, emotionally? I mean, I would have to assume that he had a lot of questions, um, maybe doubts. You know, here I am. I'm I'm supposed to be the king. Uh, I've been I've been anointed as the next king. And here this guy's trying to kill me. I've lost my best friend. Um, I went I'm, to the Philistines. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm doing everything that you asked me to do. And yet here I am stuck in a cave um, and, and everybody's gone. 
So I, I think there's probably a lot of that too. You know, fear for the future. Maybe maybe Samuel was wrong. Um, maybe I'm not gonna meet. And now I've left everybody that I love. I, I don't know. I think there's a lot. I think he's got a lot going on. And in fact, that that actually goes in this next um, verse three. Here's the 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 first part of verse three really um, captured my attention this week. It said, um, "When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, you knew my path." Um, I may have mentioned that last week when we read it too. That was the first part that stuck out to me. But his spirit is overwhelmed. He has no idea what's going on. But there's a, a, a bit of confidence there that God knows my path. God knows where I've been. God knows where I am. And God knows where I'm going. And even though I'm overwhelmed, I don't know any of those. I don't know why the things have happened in the past. I don't know what's going to happen in the future. But God knows what that is. So there's a little bit of, of hope in that. It's weird to think back. You know, I've lived long enough now to have enough memories of places, of dark places I've been and lighter places. Just to think back, think of one particular memory, um, just sitting in a car, something had just happened, and just thinking, what is going on? Uh, like, I, I, I don't know where I'm supposed to be. It was a pretty rough situation for me at the time, and this was 20 years ago. And just kind of crying out. I remember crying out to God, just like, please make this into something, make it worth this pain and this agony that I was going through at the time. And I can't say that, oh, this is exactly how I used it or whatever. But, you know, my path has gone on a lot further than, since then. And it's definitely comforting to know that even back then, you know, I, I got through that. I think I learned something through the context of that situation. But God knew me then, and he had a path for me even then. Even though at that point, I remember a feeling just a black wall of despair. And it's comforting to me now. I don't know if there's anything I could have said to 22-year-old me, but thankfully he is there. He does know our path, even when we despair. Well, I had a similar situation when we were about to uh, graduate from college. We were, uh, Ashley and I were supposed to get married. And I uh, was denied getting into the school that I wanted to go to grad school. And all of my plans were to do this one thing and it all fell through. And I remember same thing. I drove. I just got in my car and drove and hit a wall. I had no idea. I didn't see any way out. That's a longer story. But I do I do look back at that often. I think of that as a moment that I really um, had to trust God because all of my plans had failed. And then I was like helpless. Like, okay, God, whatever you want. I'm up, I'm ready to do what you want me to do. And unfortunately, I've had to do that several times. Maybe not to that extent, but I wish I had learned. But um, yeah, I, I think it's that's a very similar thing, that, that black hole of, of not knowing what's going to happen now. Just throwing up your hands and being helpless and recognizing your helplessness and allowing God to, to allowing yourself to be used by God in the way that he did you notice how in verse three he says they have hidden a trap for me, but then in verse four he says there's no one who takes notice of me? <laughs> oh yeah, I didn't notice is, that. Is that a contradiction or just poetry? Well, you know, my my version says no one who regards me, so I was assuming uh, was okay. nobody who cares about me. I could see that. No one. Well, the end of that. No one cares for my soul. That is just such mm -hmm. a lonely, lonely statement. Nobody that that. Well, you can see just the honesty and how it's feeling. Because, I mean, if you step back, obviously Jonathan cared about him. I mean, that was the whole point. And he certainly, I'm sure his 
brother. I'm sure he had family. I'm sure there was someone that, I mean, that seems kind of hyperbole, but that's definitely the where often our souls go when we're despairing. It's just like you, you see things in one way and you can't see all of the other parts of reality because you're just focused on the despair. I mean, that's like being in a cave and it just cuts off all your peripheral vision because all you see is this little narrowing yeah. scope of, of sky. That's good. So then, of course, he turns that around and, and there's this, my Bible has a space. I don't know if there was that actual pause there, but, you know, crying out to God saying, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Just think, again, the refuge, that, that word comes up so often when we've been reading these Psalms, but just that I'm in trouble, I am alone, I need help, I'm completely at my wit's end. God, you are my refuge. You are my portion. What do you think that means, uh, my portion? Oh, dang. I was going to ask you that. I don't know. Um, well, I have a theory, but... Yeah, go ahead, because I don't. Uh, I And I am not authority on this. I really don't know, but I, I guess the, what I get the sense of is, you know, my apportionment. It's like, it's the part that's given to me, like the little, the my slice of the pie. I guess that sounds kind of um, greedy, but, you know, God has cut out this area for David in the land of the living and saying, that's yours. That's your land, your inheritance, your portion. And I would love for someone to contact us who's listened to this and maybe give us a deeper insight into that. But uh, that's kind of how I read it, that it's like, he's my refuge. There's this place for me that God has set aside for me in the land of the living. Mm -hmm. In other words, not in Sheol or the land of the dead, but, you know, in the land of life, God has a plan and a purpose and a place for me. And it's also a refuge. Yeah. I I don't have anything better than that. I don't know. That's that's about right. Because, you know, it's, yeah. Well, I mean, think of the word portion, even if we're just taking it literal in the English translation. I mean, I have a one child who's very, very particular about getting his portion. Mm. And I mean, seeing it in a positive light, you know, that's his. Uh, when you give him the that piece of pizza or whatever that's his portion and he knows it's his and he's very aware of it being his and not his brother's for instance <laughs> yeah but there's you know when we have something that's ours i mean that is a comforting thing to know that you know that's it's mine especially when it's been given to us by god or you know our parents or something like that yeah and if you think of of uh, i guess if you were going to think through about getting a portion that you get what you get the portion that's given to you. Um, I, I don't know if that's the if that's where you're going with that, but maybe it's just that that this is the part that God has given me. This is my lot. This is my portion. Maybe I don't want to be in a cave with no friends and being chased by the king, but this is the portion you've given me. Um, or if there's that that as I say that that doesn't really sound exactly like what he's saying when he's saying you're my refuge. You're enough. You're so that, you're the what's so there's the word refuge again. I think we talked about this a few episodes ago when it came up in another psalm. But in on today, like what does refuge spark in your heart and mind when you hear that word today? I think of a, a place of calm and rest, escape from things that are stressful or things that are threatening. Yeah. So maybe that's fits with that. I mean, I do the refuge part, but the portion part, I don't know. I'm going with your answer. I'm voting for you on this one. <laughs> well, thanks, Lee. So what else? Anything else you noticed on this that struck you in this part of the psalm? Well, just moving on linearly, 
In six, he's talking about his persecutors for they're just too strong for me. He just doesn't have any trust in his own strength. I mean, David was pretty awesome, and we can read the whole story and figure out what he did as this guerrilla warrior and, you know, living in this band of brothers in the wilderness doing things, and they they gain some renown, etc., kind of like this, this Robin Hood, merry men kind of feeling. But at, at least at this point, I mean, he just doesn't trust in his own strength. Which that's a, I mean, there's a lesson for that too. I mean, I think we, most of us would, we can all see strengths in other people and we can all see things that other people do well, but sometimes we start, we depend on our own strength. We start to think, hey, I'm good at this. Let me do this. And then that starts to fail on us. And then we kind of go, oh man, I, I can't do anything. Everybody else is stronger than me. And, and the I think the whole message is that God is able to provide the strength. God is the strength that we need for that. I guess that's the last thing that I noticed about this psalm was in the very end, it ends on a positive note. You know, he spent this whole psalm talking about how he's in a trap or there's traps set for him. His spirits is fainting. The people are too strong. But at the end, he ends with, I know you will deal bountifully with me. Well, yeah, sorry. Do you have more to say about that? Because I wanted to go back a little bit. Um, oh, well, I skipped to the end. Sorry. No, Please no, move I just... Back. The, the verse 7, it says, Bring my soul out of prison so that I may give thanks to your name. Um, and I just thought we sometimes want our suffering to end so the suffering will end. We want our the bad things to go away so that we can enjoy good things. But he's saying, get me out of prison so that I can give thanks to your name. Um, make the take care of this situation so that I can praise you for that, which I thought was a really good way to, to look at it and, and think about it. And it feels like we've talked about that a little bit in past episodes as well. But then, um, yeah, and then the end of that, the righteous will surround me for you will deal bountifully with me. And I think that um, it's interesting. It says the righteous will surround me because going back to first Samuel, when, when David's family found out that he was in this cave, then they all went to him. And, and in fact, it says, if I can have marked, um, well, it's anyway, I can't find it. So a bunch of other people came to him as well. They said that the people who were outcasts and people who were persecuted came and, and rallied around him and they became the people who, you know, it's maybe it's not, I was trying to find the right wording. Sorry about that. Um, but anyway, that it says the righteous will surround me. And they actually did that. God brought all those people around him, which took care of the issues that he had. Um, and I think that made him a good leader because he was, he was able to be aware of his own helplessness and aware that it wasn't his strength that was doing it. It was God's strength. One of the commentaries I read on this said that, um, if David had spent as much time focusing on, on his helplessness in the palace as he did in the cave, then maybe the whole thing with Bathsheba would never have happened. It's that God allowing us to become weak so that we will rely on his strength, which I think is, again, a, a pretty consistent thing in the scripture that comes up over. That's literally what Paul said, right? I think he said it better than me, but yes. But yeah. So anyway, I, I just love I, I love knowing the knowing the historical context, pop probably, um, to be able to see that while he did in this in this passage, he did ex- express his confidence in God, but he had no idea that, that was about to happen. And as I mentioned to you before we started this recording this, you know that Reminds me of Elijah, Mount Carmel. He has this great uh, victory over the prophets of Baal, 
and then he goes out and wants to wants God to to take his life because he is um, all alone, and God sends him to uh, to meet uh, Elisha, and I, I just think there's a there's a whole pat there's a whole pattern of emptiness, and when we are empty, then God fills us. But if we try to fill ourselves up, then we'll never be full. Anyway, I, I just thought that was really good. So something you said at the beginning or, or earlier, you, you talked about how really enjoyed this uh this doing this podcast and meditating i i guess i've felt more <laughs> like the protagonist of several of these psalms than a <laughs> feeling the benefit of it and i can't say that i've been able to praise and reach out as well as david did but i have certainly felt helpless and in a pit a fair number of times in the past few months just dealing with some uh, issues in, in the family and it's been interesting to read these and identify with them. And I guess I have not been able to find the same amount of joy that David could in several of, of these. Or They haven't all been David, but I just thought it was interesting that I felt more like on the inside than observing it and getting wisdom from the outside. Yeah. Um, you know, I have, I don't know. I haven't had as much going on as you've had uh, stuff going on that y'all have got going on. So I, I'm, fortunate about that my whatever let's just say i haven't been stuck in a cave by myself for all this time but it has helped me actually some of these things have helped me in talking to people when i've had opportunity to share with people who are struggling with stuff it's it's and it's really interesting that it's like oh you know what this week we were studying this and it was talking about david being in a cave and um using some of these some of these things but but I think the more for me, even though this may not relate to me at this moment, doing more than just reading it, you know, in the morning because I got to read my Bible, but actually focusing on it and thinking about it and studying on it really helps me when I need it, I can go back to it. And, and it's helped me to be more intentional after um, this stuff. So I, I'm not nearly where I want to be, but I, I do feel like that this. This process has been really good. So here's a question, jumping all the way back to the beginning, the introduction to this whole series. We talked about poetry and aesthetics and stuff like that. What, you know, eight or ten weeks in, however long it is, how do you feel about the the poetry aspect of it, of the, the imagery, the beauty? I mean, like, would, would this have functioned, quote unquote, for you better as just a story, or have you appreciated the the, the well, poetical aspects? First of all, David cannot rhyme to save his life, so let's just start. <laughs> well, with that. this is an English <laughs> translation, so I wonder if we could read Hebrew. I wonder if it rhyme. <laughs> I don't know, maybe. Um, we we need a Hebrew scholar to write us a letter and tell us. Um, you know, it it would it be better? I don't know. I I mean, I think it is because here's here's what it is for me. It's it's not forget the poetry piece because that can be, but it's. The 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 psalm, you know, David or Sons of Korah, whoever's writing it, it is it is their way to just communicate where they are, and what's going on with them, and it's so much, it's it's, I've been surprised to be honest, um, that I have enjoyed it as much as I have, because it has, you know, once you start that, like we've done you know you look at one phrase and look at the way one thing is phrased and just focus on that for a day or two not only does it help me understand that psalm better but just in my life I, I've, I'm more focused on scripture not as much as I want to be definitely but it, it's something that I you know, sometimes at night rather than focusing on what was the latest 
big national crisis going on in the world, I can sit and think about, you know, what was that? What was it that David was trying to say here? What is what is it that he's trying to say? He's, you know, what does a refuge mean? And why? when do I need a refuge? And that kind of stuff. And, you know, I, I think more than just a story, because a story you have to, <laughs> and if anybody knows me, that's what I like to do with the stories is sit down and go, okay, what were they thinking in this moment? When, um, you know, when, when Samuel was walking up and saw Saul offering sacrifices, what went through his mind and what was he, you know, that's the kind of thing I do. But this, I don't have to guess. I, I may guess what the circumstances are with the situation is, but you know what they're thinking. And I have, I have really enjoyed this. In fact, I was sitting here thinking, of course, I thought this was over last month. I thought we were already done three months, but it's only been two. But there was a little bit of, oh man, this is just going to be over in a few weeks. And I'm probably just going to continue on with some of this stuff, but whether we do the podcast or not, who knows. But um, just studying these Psalms, I think has been really good for me. Yeah, it, it's, I've been surprised. Oh, cool. I mean, I'll answer my question then. I, I really like the the imagery on several, some of the Psalms have had more than others. Uh, the one we're going to go do next has a little bit more, but that part of the aesthetics I, I really like. I, I agree with you. It's also, it's kind of like they're speaking from their heart. They're not establishing truths or teaching per se, even though we can certainly learn from it. They're not, that's not, doesn't seem to be the goal of any of the Psalms we've read so far. The, all the ones we've read have just been very much, this is what I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. And you just kind of see into someone's emotional and mental state instead of them trying to teach you things. Or just to tell a story where you have to figure out the, what the point of the story is. It's not, Some of these, I don't know if it has a point per se in that kind of way. It's not, it's not designed for that, it, it seems to be. It seems to just be people unloading their heart. And I think that's been great to, to see that. Although some people can unload their hearts very more vividly than I can, at least. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And I think it's, it's um, well, I, I was just thinking like, Today, as I was as I was going to uh, went to get the mower at my in laws' house, and I was driving back, and I thought, you know, we're about to have this podcast, and we're going to talk about crying aloud to God, so I need to try that so I can communicate about what it's like. And you know, it's it's different when you're just, you know, I'm maybe mildly irritated about some stuff, and I mean, I don't I don't like what's going on in in the world at all. But anyway, it, it's just it's the crying out. I think there's a certain level of depth that you get to when that is is probably more effective not that we shouldn't always talk to god or or i would like to be more but as far as crying out in in despair i mean you can't gin up some despair and i'm just fortunate i'm not in a place in my life right now where i'm dealing with what uh this isn't really related to the psalms exactly but i've been thinking this afternoon uh the verse when jesus was leaving finally before the ascension and just talking about do not be troubled don't be afraid and just thinking about that time after, and, and tomorrow I believe is Pentecost or the, the celebration of Pentecost, and that's just like that was the the coming back. I mean, I just put myself in this idea of these people have been falling, their emotions have been going up and down, up and down. You know, he's dead, and then he's back, and now he's leaving. Uh, <laughs> and just the feeling they must have had, and thinking back to like the Psalms, you know, this is David, you know hundreds, hundreds of years before that. And I wonder if many of the people who wrote these Psalms ever felt or saw in their lifetime the things they hoped for. And, you know, the early Christians, they, they, they thought they had had their king, and they did, and then he left. 
But then, you know, 50 days later, the Holy Spirit comes and just like the listening, you know, remembering what Jesus had told them a couple of months ago, don't be afraid, I'll, I'll send someone. And then what they must have felt. And then I was talking today with someone. Then on Pentecost, Peter gives probably the most important sermon ever given in the history of, of at least humans. Mm-hmm. And it's just an amazing story. And just those people at that time, they got to see what happened to some extent. They certainly didn't see the whole story. But people back here, or David, they saw their life, but did they see... They didn't see any of God's plan come to fruition in the same way. I mean, David didn't even get to see the temple being built. Yeah. And yet they still had hope and faith and they trusted and they they lived. And on this side of the resurrection, we have a lot more to hope for because we've seen more of it. And yet, yeah. And yet we still don't have the same kind of faith that they, <laughs> that they had. Well, Lord have mercy on us. Hey, what? Well, um, so... This was the this is our listener mail segment, but um, we we didn't get any listener mail this week, so that's does bad. your mom listen to the podcast? <laughs> mom, no, my mom doesn't listen to the podcast. Um, I don't know, honestly, Kenan, I don't even want to think about trying to explain to my parents about how to listen to a podcast. That just stresses me out. So we just don't. I guess that if I went down and could go see them, I could uh, pull it up on their phone and load it up and show them how to do it. But talking through it on the phone. Do they have like an old uh, aerial set, you know, yeah. with the big dials in the front? <laughs> That's right. Just tell them it's it. a Saturday night fireside <laughs> chat. Oh, man, I don't want to. shouldn't say anything bad about my parents in case I do get them to listen to it. They might. <laughs> hi, Dad. Hi, Mom. How's it going? Um, <laughs> so no, no listener mail this week, but um, but that's okay. We we just assume that everybody's enjoying it so much they didn't need to write in. Um. So we're doing Psalm uh, 84 for next week. Do you want Do you want to read that, or do you want me to read it, Kenan? We sure, I'll read it. Okay. I think you read the last one, so okay. Psalm 84. This is another psalm by the sons of Korah. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts! My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. At your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing in your praise. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold, our shield, O God, look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts. That's uh, that's different. This is different than some of the other ones we've done. This will be a little bit put my poetry thing to the test. Is this why you asked me about that? Um, I mean, obviously, <laughs> obviously, I think the big thing that stands out, the verse 10, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand outside. Um, this will be this will be good because it really focuses on where you where you live, where are you um, where you dwell um, is your is 
your relationship with God is trusting relationship with God. Is that something that you you visit occasionally, or is this a place that you live? Oh, that'll be that'll be good. I don't really have anything immediately. I just love all the little bits of imagery here. There's just so many bits, and I think I said this on one of the other ones, but I really would love to have heard the original music to this. This sounds like this is an, another uh, just great song. I wonder if it's it sounds pretty upbeat. So I wonder if it was loud. I wonder if it was melodic. I wonder if it was, I just wonder what the music was like, like there's just so many great images here. And yes, that, that was a little bit why I asked you that question because I, this one is just packed with it. Just all these different <laughs> ideas and I didn't see that and thoughts and comparisons and well, images are great. I mean, that's one way we can understand things is by comparing them to something else we understand. Right. Right. Oh, I love metaphors. Don't get me wrong. But so your homework is to fi figure out what the Valley of Baca is. Okay. The Valley of Baca. I will work on that. That will be excellent. Cool. Well, I look forward to thinking about all these images and I, and I love, I, I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say after putting your poetry hat on or your poetry beanie. Yeah. My be <laughs> I put on my beatnik sweater and a, and a beanie and I'll work on that. That's good. Well, um, all right. Well, that'll give me a, something to look forward to this week. Great. Well, thank you for all of you who've joined us today, and we wish you grace and peace in this coming week. Bye.